You may be seated. We've been going through Colossians and we've come to the practical portion of the book. And we talked about a lot of things. Last week we talked about prayer. And I want to leave you with this thought or begin with this thought I should say. If we in fact say that Jesus Christ is preeminent and we believe in the preeminence of Christ in our lives, then how you walk matters. How you walk matters. This is something that's being glossed over today in our narcissistic society. We're very self-interested people. We're very self-centered people. We like our way. We want to feel good. And it's, it's trickled down into the church. But let me tell you something. Paul says that if you claim that Jesus Christ is preeminent in your life, then your walk will matter. Your walk will matter. Now we come to this passage of Scripture... And what I want you to see is that the preeminence of Christ should be evident in our lives. The most visible part of our lives as believers to the world is our walk. And many a time, people don't believe what we're saying because our walk doesn't match what we're saying. Now, I'm in no way standing up here telling you that you or I or anyone else on the face of this earth will be perfect. That's foolishness. We know that none of us are perfect. There's only one perfect person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you this. Neither can we as believers use that as an excuse to live in the flesh and a life of debauchery, bringing shame and reproach upon the church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because we think that we can do what we want to do. That's not what Paul says. Paul says your walk matters. What is our walk? When he says walk in wisdom, what is our walk? What's he talking about? This word in the Greek for the walk used in the gospel accounts, all of in the gospel, talked about the physical walking. What you do and I do every day, just your walking. Paul used it in a figurative sense. Paul used it clearly by the the, uh, context of all the passages of Scripture Paul uses it for our everyday conduct in the world as believers. Walking around as you're going throughout life, you're to walk. And I want you to see how important this is. I'm going to go through a bunch of verses. I don't have them up here because he can't click as fast as I'm going to go through them. But I want you to just listen to what he talks about our walk being throughout the, not the entirety. It's not an exhaustive list because my hand got tired. I'll be honest with you. I thought that's enough. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, walk in the newness of life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, walk not after the flesh. Romans chapter 13 and verse 13, walk honestly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, walk by faith. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, walk in good works. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, walk worthy of your vocation or your calling. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17, walk not as other Gentiles. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, walk as children of the light. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, walk circumspectly. That means to be walk carefully. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, walk worthy of the Lord. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6, walk in Him. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, walk in wisdom. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, walk worthy of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1, walk to please God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 12, walk honestly. 
First John chapter 1 and verse 7, walk in the light. First John chapter 2 and verse 6, walk as He walked. Second John chapter 1 and verse 4, walk in the truth. Second John chapter 1 and verse 6, walk after His commandments. Paul clearly meant something more than our physical activity of moving our feet and going forward. He is clearly talking about our everyday lives as believers. And it's so important that if we claim that Jesus is preeminent in in our lives, that Jesus Christ is preeminent over our lives, it should be evident in the way we walk. And so, the first thing I'd like you to see in this passage is the importance of your walk. Do you know that your walk is the most visible part of Christianity? Others can see how we walk. Others can see the way we conduct ourselves, the way we treat people. That's who you are and nothing more, nothing less. That's who you really are. And Paul says it's so important that if you claim the name of Jesus and you claim that Jesus Christ is to be preeminent, there should be something different about us. Number two, your walk is an indicator. Your walk really shows what's on the inside rather than what you say. Many people think because they say I'm a Christian and wear the t-shirts and and, uh, the bracelets and everything else that everybody's going to think that they're a Christian and that's that's going to be an indicator they're a Christian. But let me tell you, Jesus judges completely on a different scale, on a different curve. Let me ask you, how many of us can say that we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? Don't raise your hands. How many of us can say that I try every day of my life to walk in such a way that people see Jesus in me? Your walk is an indicator. Your walk, number three, is a testimony. What you do speaks louder than what you say. What I do speaks louder than what I say. That's why our walk is so important. So Paul says, listen... Here's what I want you to do. He gives some instruction concerning our walk. He tells us to walk in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom simply is this. It is knowledge with the ability to use that knowledge. How many of you know someone that's book smart, but they're, but they're so common sense dumb, they, can't, they don't know the difference between a Phillips head and flathead screwdriver? We all know someone like that. Someone sat back there thinking, what is a Phillips head? (laughs) Wisdom is the knowledge and the ability that we use. We know how to use that knowledge. It's the ability to use that knowledge. We're not just book smart, brain smart, but we know how to put that in our lives. And it's interesting that Paul says to walk in wisdom. And if you understand this, and we're going to go just in a few moments to Ephesians chapter 5, and you'll see that his argument actually from other parts of the Scripture is encompassing all of these commandments about walk. Walking in wisdom encompasses all of them. In other words, wisdom is knowing how to walk by faith. Wisdom is knowing how to walk in truth. Wisdom, walking in wisdom, is knowing how to walk in love. And that's Paul's whole argument. Would you please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. 
kind of a sister passage, if you will, to this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 15. The Apostle Paul says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, that means carefully, not as fools. So there's a contrast made here. Walking carefully. Fools don't walk carefully. But as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, notice what he says, Be ye not unwise, but in contrast to foolish or unwise... He says, understand what the will of the Lord is. So the contrast to foolishness is understanding the will of the Lord. That's contextually accurate, I promise you. That's exactly what he's saying. He's drawing a line and says, foolishness foolishness is not knowing and understanding the will of God and walking in your own light. And boy, there's a lot that do that. Fools don't walk carefully. Unwise people don't understand what the will of the Lord is. Wise people understand the will of the Lord is for believers to walk in wisdom, which means, he follows that up in verse 18 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, and be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Walking in wisdom is filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, you walk in truth. You walk in faith. You walk in love. And all of those other commands concerning walking. This is Paul's instruction concerning our walk. For believers to walk in the Spirit actually means to be obedient to all these walk commands. This is what amazes me. This is not some... Secret thing, secret code. How many of you remember they wrote all these books about the Bible code and all that? Listen, God's not playing games. He wants you to read that word, understand that word, and believe that word. And we don't struggle with what we don't know. We struggle with what doing what we know. And these, these commandments are clear. And we want to try to... Pseudo-intellectualism today is running rampant in the church. It's splitting the church down the middle... People are arguing over what whosoever means and people are arguing over this, that, or what this means or what word, one word. It's not meant to be that. It's meant to be read, believed, and obeyed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've convoluted it. The Southern Baptist Convention is being split right down the middle because of intellectualism that's crept in and they're arguing over all this stuff and they've stopped sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil is infiltrated. Just like he did in the Gnostics in, in the New Testament era. Intelligent thinking. We're more, we're more knowledgeable than you. No doubt. But I take courage and I take comfort in knowing that God uses the base things of the world to confound the wise. Let me tell you something, church. Paul is saying, our walk matters. And it matters so much that you should and I should walk in wisdom. Why? Because of the inclusion of the world. Notice he brings in people that are without. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. You know who that is? That are people that are outside the church. In the context 
It's people that are unsaved. We spend more time trying to impress people we don't like. You ever think about that? Someone, one person has said, we have jobs we can't stand, we live in houses we can't afford to impress people we don't like. And Paul says, listen, there's a total different audience. A lot of church people want to impress everyone else in the church and make them look high and holy and spiritual. But God says there's another audience that you need to be concerned about. Paul said there's another audience that's watching you that matters. And those are the people that are lost. And when you and I walk in wisdom and all these commands, what we are doing is we are testifying to them that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are testifying that He is preeminent in our lives and that there is something different about us. Paul, he says it's important and then he tells us the instruction and then he comes to the inclusion and he says, listen, walk this way because there are people watching you and you are not walking in a way to impress people. Paul wrote clearly, if I seek to please men, I should not be a servant of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1.10 Paul's clear on that. We're not to try to impress people. But number one, our walk should speak clearly to the unsaved. There should be no confusion about it. Our walk should be clearly spoken to the unsaved. We live in a society that's so politically correct and we have to... We, everybody is offended over every little thing. It's ridiculous. And would to God some men and women who love the Lord Jesus Christ stand up in the power of the Holy Spirit, not be jerks, not be arrogant, but stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and give a testimony to the way, the truth, and the life in the world. See, we should be speaking clearly by our walk to the unsaved. In years past, this was based on how we dressed. People would say, you know, in churches you've got to dress this way or dress that way. That's not what the idea is. The idea is the fruit of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no... There's no And see, here's the problem. The problem is, guys, what we're doing is we're trying to impress in the flesh. Someone crept into church and had this good idea that if we, and it really wasn't his idea, it came from Satan. That if we go out and ask unsaved people what they want in the church and we bring that into the church, then unsaved people will come to church. But what happened was it backfired. For 20-some, 30-some years, what's happened is we went out into the world and we made the church like the world thinking that they would come and we lost our saltiness, we lost our draw, and all we did was make a bunch of babies in the church. And the Apostle Paul says, our walk should be clear to the unsaved. It should be crystal clear to the unsaved. We are different. What's the drawing power of the church? It's the salt and light. It's the difference. It's the distinction that matters. It's not our being uh, up to date technologically savvy and all these things. It's our walk. 
It's our fellowship with the Lord. Can you imagine being in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and God would come in the cool of the day and what? Walk with them. He wants our walk. Number two, our walk should encourage the unsaved. It should encourage the unsaved. There's no reason, I'm going to say this, and it's true, and I'm ashamed of myself. There's no reason for anyone in Sioux County to be hungry. As many churches that are in Sioux County, it is, it, it is a shame that someone's hungry. I'll tell you why. We're so consumed with ourselves in our churches, and we're so consumed with our ivory towers and palaces, and we're so consumed with our own agendas, we can't serve the needy. We can't help people. How many churches did you pass on your way to church this morning? Most of us here average around anywhere from 7 to 11 churches on our way into church. The number one industry in Scioto County is what? Churches. There's more churches than any other business, kind of a business classification, than any other business in Scioto County. And look at the condition of Scioto County. Look at the condition. Churches, what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we encouraging the unsaved? Now, I'm not saying that we got to just go out and buy them anything they want. But listen, there's nothing wrong with feeding people. Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. They said, Lord, when do we feed you? We don't remember feeding you. He said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Why are we not... Tell them, listen, we've got the cure for addiction. The cure is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fact. Why are we not telling people we have the, we have the remedy to putting families back together? We have the remedy for bringing wayward children home. We have the remedy, and the remedy is the cross of Jesus Christ. We ought to be an encouragers. We ought not to be at the ball field acting idiot, fighting with everybody. We ought not to be uh, treating the waitress in the restaurant horribly. Our walk should encourage the unsaved. People should look at Christians and say, man, look at the way they love. Look at the love they have for each other. I want that. Number three, our walk should buy back the time wasted in the world. Oh my goodness. I could preach on this for hours. I could preach on this for days. He says, both here in Ephesians, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And back over in Colossians, he says this, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. The word redeem actually means to buy back. When he says buying back, he's talking about time. Buying back the time, redeeming the time. What are we doing? We're redeeming the time that we lost in the world. Serving the prince of the world, Satan. Guys, listen to me. How many of us are thankful that we've passed from death unto life? And we, we just... And I'm all, I'm, all, I'm all about believing in Jesus by grace... Faith alone, nothing else, plus nothing, no works. I'm, I'm all, I am a grace guy. Believe it, preach it, love it, live in it. But let me tell you something. 
When it comes to our walk with the Lord, here's what we better get realizing and understand. We haven't sacrificed anything. When we got saved and gave up that worldliness and followed Jesus Christ, we didn't give up anything. We don't know anything about sacrifice. Have you been flogged for me? Have I been flogged for you and had my flesh ripped off? No. At the very worst, somebody said something about us on Facebook. Well, I got an idea. Don't read it. It doesn't bother me. When someone sends negative stuff about uh, a message or something to me, I just don't read it. And it's so rewarding, freeing. So in my little mind, I think everybody loves it. Because I don't read the bad stuff. And, and nobody says I have to. I'm not going to spend all my time arguing with somebody who wants to change me to where they are. You know what compromise is? Compromise is I want you to stop believing what you believe and come over to my side and believe. So when someone says the word compromise, I'm out of there. I don't want anything to do with them. Because all they're saying is I want you to change your mind and believe what I believe. That's all it is. Read the definition of compromise. And listen, we, we need to bow back that time. We need, to, we need to get serious about Christianity. We're buying back the time. Our walk is buying back the time. I'm going to walk in a way that pleases God. And listen to me. All the stuff that I did before Christ is under the blood. But listen, I had no time. I had no problem spending the time serving the world and the flesh and the devil back then. So now I have no problem that I'm under the blood. Buying back that time. I'm going to be equally as passionate about serving Jesus Christ. Guys, listen. Do you realize, and I'm not bragging, I'm thankful. Do you realize that we're running three vans right now? And we could probably run a fourth one easily. And we're busting these kids on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. And many of them, their parents could care less if they eat or not. And you guys are feeding them. And you guys are loving them and you guys are, 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 are showing the love of Jesus Christ to them. Man, that's walking. That's walking in a way that encourages. That's walking in a way that is evident. That is walking in a way that shows the unsaved that we're clearly different. But I'll be honest with you. There's some areas we can grow in our church. There are sometimes, sometimes there are some things going on where it's so hard to get someone to step up and do something for the cause of Jesus Christ because they're so busy. And I can't tell you, but once a week someone tells me, Pastor, I'm just so busy. Well, listen, you're too busy. You're too busy. Well, that's not nice, but it's true. When I get to the place where I'm saying, I don't have time to do this, or I don't have time to do that, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm, you're just too busy. What you're doing is you're making God fit in to your schedule, and that's wrong. Our walk that encourages unbelievers shows that I'm surrendered, I'm committed to Him, I'm following Him. I'm lining myself up with Him. I'm not making Him, I'm not making Him work around my schedule. Could you imagine Jesus is going to call us home, rapture out the church? And someone says, well, Lord, you can't do it today. I've got a ball game. Oh, well, I didn't think about that. We better not, we better not rapture them out today. We've got to have this ball game because it really matters. I mean, LeBron James is 
you know, going to be old and we got to replace him with someone. It's going to be your five foot three son. That's not a rabbit trail. That's real. Our walk should buy back the time that we spent in the world. Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil, church. The days are evil. Does your walk testify to the lost that you believe in the preeminence of Jesus Christ? Can people look at you and say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. Something different. I, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something that's totally different. Can I ask you a question honestly? Do you believe for one moment that in heaven we'll put God on the back burner? Do you think for one minute that in heaven, Jesus, just a minute, I'm talking to Timothy. I mean, even saying that makes me feel all dirty. Is anybody else with me? The Bible says, at the very name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. There's a Netflix had put on there this spoof about Jesus being gay and bringing home his gay lover to meet Mary and Joseph. And the only response I could elicit is this. They will bow one day before the Lord. And not only will they be sorry for that spoof, they'll be most sorry they didn't trust in Jesus Christ as their eternal Savior. Our world, our world is going to hell quickly. And would to God some men and women stand up and say, my walk matters. I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to walk in light. I'm going to be salt. I'm going to be light. I am going to take this matter seriously. I'm going to walk in wisdom towards those who are without. I want to share the glorious gospel. I want to pass out gospel tracts. I want to invite them to our cantata. I want them to know Jesus Christ. I'm not concerned with building a great church. I'm concerned about men and women, boys and girls dying and going to hell. We can do all the social programs in the world, but if we don't give them the gospel, we fail. We can buy them everything. They can go to hell in new clothes. Wouldn't that be horrible? We need to be different. And so Paul says, if you claim preeminence in Jesus Christ, your walk ought to match what you claim. Now rest assured, when we're back in Colossians, we'll deal with our tongue. Because I'll tell you, I'm telling you right now, guys, we need a revival in our church. We need a revival in our homes. I need a revival in my life. We need to stop playing church and realize our walk matters. And if we claim preeminence in Jesus Christ, that He is our preeminent Lord, and we bow the knee to Him, and He is our Savior, He is our Lord, then we need to walk like it. Enough with this playing church. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for Him. Would you bow with me in prayer? As we prepare for the invitation, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.